to the Biscuits and Blu-rays podcast, where we watch Blu-rays and take the biscuit. I'm your host, James, and this week I'm joined by Michael from Digital Spiral. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's, it's a pleasure having you on, because we've, I, I wouldn't say we've known each other for a while, but we've certainly interacted for a long time. Um, yeah, you was one of the first, like, Instagram accounts that I kind of came across in, like, the film Instagram space, and I've just really liked everything you've done ever since, yeah. Like the feeling is completely mutual, completely. <laughs> Just tell us a little bit about what Digital Spiral do and like how they started and you know how it's gone from there. So it's me and my boyfriend uh, Martin started at like the end of lockdown. We'd just been watching like, a lot of films. I think everyone had been doing the same thing. And I grew up in a family that kind of always talked about films. We went to the cinema like once a week. I was like, I talk about films a lot. I'm like, I wonder if I can make this like a thing. And then I just was like, I'll make an Instagram. I think that's something that could work. And then I found out the community, like I didn't realise there's a community on there. And yeah, I just tried to fit in and just add my own two cents to it. And yeah, it's been fun. I like designing stuff, so I'll go through waves of not posting because I'm like tinkering with a design because that's Uh something I really enjoy. So we're currently not posting much at the moment because I'm currently messing with all the design, but I'm sure we'll be back up and running by the time people hear this. (laughs) Yeah. Your page is by far one of my favourites. I always think what you do. That's just like, gen- like genuinely, like from the bottom of my heart. I just, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I want to be like Digital Spiral. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate it. We just did a Barbie version of our logo for obviously like Barbie and Oppenheimer. And it was so funny. Like it was so fun to like watch my boyfriend make it because he did it. And I was like, this is so stupid. I was like, I love this so much. <laughs> Oh, because we, we, we're talking to each other, like, the week before, well, the weekend, like, a few days before the Barbie yeah. thing. I just want to get your opinion yeah. on this. Are you double billing? Are you doing both? I am doing kind of, so I've got Barbie on the Friday, and I'm going to go see Oppenheimer on the Sunday. I think I need a bit of a break in between. Okay. That's I a- feel like Barbie's going to, like, blow my mind and I feel like Oppenheim is just going to depress me to hell so I need space between the two of them to like yeah it's going to blow your mind and it's going to blow you up sort of thing yeah literally yeah there it is (laughs) um but when when I asked you to be on this season of the podcast which is a very special season the new legacy yeah the edit I I said oh I'm I'm happy to do any film you're you'd like to do we batted a few ideas around a a few times but we kind of settled on Dungeons and Dragons. Yep. On a, Among Thieves, right? We did. Is it why why did we settle on this? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've been to the cinema to see it and it was one of them films where you went to go to the cinema, you're like, I have no expectations to this film. I'm just gonna go see it because mm-hmm. I want to watch a film this week. Um and I just really enjoyed it and I thought it was a really fun just blockbuster. And I was like, do you know what that was really cool? It was like not the biggest Dungeons and Dragons fan, to be honest. I like the fantasy genre. But I was like, yeah, let's fuck it. I'll watch it. And then when we were talking about something to watch, I was like, Do you know what? I watched this film the other day and it was really fun. Like, do we talk about that? And here we are. <laughs> and, here we, and here we are. And I, like an idiot, didn't watch it at the cinema because it it, <laughs> it sort of fell in between some other things, like film-wise. Yeah. And it just kind of got forgotten about. I think Evil Dead had come out and I was like, I need to see that five times instead <laughs> Instead of Dungeons and Dragons yeah. once. But I've watched, I've, I've watched it today because I, I had to. Because we, we <laughs> were talking had about to. it for a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're 
experience with Dungeons and Dragons? Do you know much about the baggage that comes with it? Or are you like um, a newbie to this? I'm a bit of a newbie. So one of my like best friends, Anna, she plays Dungeons and Dragons like two, three times a week. So and I play like Overwatch with her quite regularly. So I've been learning like the lingo and like what it all means through her. So it was really fun to hear her talk about it and you know, all the things that go on in Dungeons and Dragons and then to watch the film. But, oh, that's what she means. Oh, that's what that is. Like, right. it finally, like, contextualised it a bit. And I was like, oh, I get it. It was like, okay. Still haven't played a game of Dungeons & Dragons, but I liked the film. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like, I, I'm completely new to it. Like, mm. I've I've had no hand-holding. I've just sort of gone in, accept me into this world, Dungeons & Dragons. <laughs> and it's kind of, it's it's been difficult because I don't, I, I don't want to spoil what we think to the film, but I had... No fun after i finally got it yeah i'm with you because it it, honestly it did take me a while to get really invested it was a weird start to i I agree i know where you're coming from it was one of them i was like do i like this and then it was like towards the end when all the pieces started connecting i was like oh okay i see what you're doing Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i get that but the thing is i've played skyrim so much that i was like oh that's just like skyrim maybe Maybe that's my way in. <laughs> so I've sort of got yeah. <laughs> sort of got the long way round to this. On paper, this is nearly the perfect film for me personally. I don't know about you. I agree completely. It, it had the same directors as Game Night. I don't know if you've seen Game Night. I have indeed. Oh, did you did you like it? I did. Yeah, I always get it mixed up with um. There's like two films with a really similar title, and I always forget which ones they are. There's like one with. I believe it's Tina Fey and then the other one. And I always mix, I, I blend them into one big film in my head so I can never distinguish them. Well, that one's, that <laughs> I don't one's know called, if this is a me thing. That one's called Date Night. So that, that might be why. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've just merged them into one big, like, Barbenheimer version. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's weird. <laughs> but, but Game Night's the sort of, like, uh, well, it's a, it's a game night, but things go a little bit askew. But... There's bits taken from like Cluedo and Monopoly and all these different things. So, so the directors and the writers are they're quite at home in this world, I imagine. Yeah, I'd like to. It's the one with Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm with you. Yeah, completely agree. You've got a decent cast in this as well, like a really good cast. Absolutely. Who was your favorite? Well, the the, the problem is when a cast is too likable. It's like who do do you, who do you pick to go? Okay, that's the one. Probably Pine. Mm. Chris, Chris Pine. <laughs> of course. <laughs> the, um, for me, my standout was Michelle Rodriguez. I feel like she really just crushed it. I thought she was amazing. <laughs> well, they have a really good dynamic in this, and I didn't expect to those two to work well together, but they really do. They both they both bring different things to the table that I didn't really expect from them. Like. I didn't really expect Michelle Rodriguez to be as funny and likable as she is. And I didn't really expect Chris Pine to do some of the stuff that he does. So it really worked. I really liked the dynamic. It was really unexpected. Chris Pine is sort of on the outskirts of the the Chris's, the Hollywood Chris's. (laughs) (laughs) He's never really broke out into the, into the big, big circle, but he's always good. Like always. Always. He's not made it as the big Chris yet. You know what I mean? Like, because Chris, there's Chris Evans, there's Hemworth, and there's Pratt. I feel like there's more. Yeah. There could be more. I'm but, sure there is. <laughs> but, like, Chris Pine sort of did Star Trek and was, like, done. 
and then mm. sort of forgotten about. But he's not without charm in this. He's he's very charming. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminded me of his role in Wonder Woman, like the first one, not the second one. He played he played that leading man really well, and like all the characteristics of a leading man that you want. So yeah, he was he was my standout as well. To be fair, he was really good. But but then he's still bringing his into the woods sort of prince, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That like comedic theater vibe was definitely strong in this performance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But he's he's got support there, like we said, Michelle Rodriguez, who Ro, Michelle Rodriguez, who who always <laughs> understands the assignment, like she never fails, really. Not really. Justice Smith. Sophia Lillis and <laughs> Hugh Grant, which I feel like Hugh Grant has taken a, a sudden right turn in his career where after Paddington, he's playing idiots. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's all like unhinged comedic roles. <laughs> like, I don't know if you've watched the Wonka trailer, but mm. he plays one of the Lumpers, and at the end, I'm like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> like, his performance like that, and then the one in Dungeons & Dragons, it's just unhinged comedic behaviour, and I love it. I think it's really funny to watch. <laughs> I, I think he got bored of playing the, the straight man a little bit. I think he's just sort of gone, okay, I'm just going to do this now. Because he's he's good in it, though. Like, he's... He, yeah. In everything he's done since Paddington, he's been good, and, you know, long may it continue. I can't. I can't wait to see one. <laughs> like I said, this one did take me a while to get into. It's not the film's fault. I think it's my fault because. Well, let's let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. So, I've made I've made notes. Me but, too. <laughs> but here's the thing. I really, when I when I've seen a film before, I can make notes or whatever. But when I haven't seen a film before, if I'm not enjoying it, I will make notes here, there, and everywhere. But if I then get sucked into it. I just completely stopped making notes. Yep. And that okay. is that is what has happened here. <laughs> that there, there is a <laughs> there is a point in this where I've gone, oh okay, I'm gonna put my phone down now. So love it. So there's gonna come a point where you're gonna have to <laughs> do most of the work. And I'm just gonna be like, oh yeah, that happened. <laughs> it does do it establishes the world quite quickly. It's it's familiar to most of it, it doesn't really bring anything original. I don't think. I think, I think the best way to explain it is obviously it's a, a fantasy film set in the fantasy genre, but it kind of takes all of the tropes and things you would associate with the genre, but kind of tweaks them slightly to make them feel a little bit fresher and not so overdone. So stuff like, as an example, like Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings, they have a very like clear visual like aesthetic, and they have a very mm-hmm. A version of what you expect to see from them. Like the minute you look at, I don't know, like a Game of Thrones shot, and you know, oh, that's Game of Thrones or that's Lord of the Rings. Whereas this, it seems a little bit more lively and a little bit more like colourful and energetic in a way, which I really appreciated. So, yeah, I really appreciated that about it. Well, I think that's because we get straight away, there's like a big orc prisoner that w- walks in and he's sharing a cell yeah. with Chris Pine and Rodriguez, whose names I cannot remember. And I've and I've just watched it and I can't remember. <laughs> Hel- uh, Helga, okay. Helga, and oh my god, let me Google it. <laughs> okay, one sec. Oh, Edgin. Edgin. There we Edgin. go. It, it really helps having IMDb on the next tab. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I need to do. <laughs> yeah, 
already you've got Chris Pine doing the Han Solo thing, which he's good at, I guess. But Rodriguez <laughs> gives this orc the beatdown. <laughs> yep. So he like walks in and interrupts her eating a jacket potato, which just really rubs her the wrong way, to which she then just beats the shit out of him, which I completely agree. <laughs> she she kicks him in both <laughs> kneecaps. <laughs> <laughs> and, his, and his kneecaps bend the other way. I've never seen that before. Oh. I haven't. Not over a jacket potato, at least. It was pretty impressive to watch. <laughs> well, I don't know. If you go to a cafe in town, I'm sure you might find a, ca- a fight <laughs> similar to this. Yeah. Hung over a little bit too much. Yeah, I'd be the same. <laughs> Absolutely. But then my next note was straight away, Pine oozes charm. And I don't know. Absolutely. I don't know if he's doing anything different to what he's done in the past, but I just buy into the fact that he's this leading man. He's very good in this film and other films. It's almost like, I don't know if you feel the same way, but it's almost like the writing finally understood him a little bit and like the writers managed to find a way for him to have a role that kind of captured all of the things about him that make him so special. Hmm. Then again, some of this does feel off, like sort of off the cuff, and it, that might not be the case. Mm. That might, I'm, I might be just like clutching at straws there. But like, some of it would be, oh, we're going to do a scene and we'll do it this way, and it's written down. But then they'll do another take where it's like Chris Pine, do do what you need to do, reacting however you would. <laughs> I feel like yeah. some, there are some scenes where it feels like that, and it does give it life. Absolutely, completely agree. It, it really leaps off the board. And, and I wanted to discuss, <laughs> I thought that this was, when I went into it, I thought it was going to do a princess bride sort of thing. Where, yeah. <laughs> where it's just going to keep zooming out into like the normal world and there's going to be people playing oh. these oh, characters. Cool. I just, I, I don't know why. I think someone had said, oh, they're going to do that way before it came out. And I thought, yeah. oh, okay, maybe they are. And I don't know why I had that in my head that it was just always going to just zoom out to the real world. It never does. It doesn't, but that's a good idea, though. I like it. They're in prison. They're in prison for crimes that they, well, have committed, but I'd say wrongfully, right? Yeah, they get caught up in kind of like a heist gone wrong, but the heist, how do you explain it? It wasn't really a heist that was like criminal that was trying to do something good. There was like good intent there, I guess is the better way to explain it. Yeah. So, yeah. We get a, they're on they're on trial, they're on probation. And this is where we get all of his tragic backstory. And he's waiting for for Jonathan, who is yeah. this big sort of like walking hawk who <laughs> in capital letters I've just written Jonathan. I haven't done <laughs> said anything else. He was my favorite character in this. He was amazing. <laughs> Certainly my, my favourite joke in the film. No, actually, no, second favourite. We'll get to my favourite. We'll get there. <laughs> so they, they are approved parole or like to get set and free, but because they decide to grab Jonathan and fly out the window, <laughs> they, they escape and they are still wanted for breaking parole, I guess. My next note was... Hugh Grant is off the wall. And I mean that. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's just, he's just, I don't, I don't know how old he is. Mid-60s, do you think? Yeah, it's got to be at least mid-60s, surely. Oh, and, I've just really insulted him. 
Oh, God, yeah. I, I don't think he's a listener to the uh, <laughs> Biscuits and Blu-ray he, podcast. You never know. Hugh, if you're listening, please leave a comment. <laughs> oh, God. That would be so <laughs> funny. If, Can you imagine? The, the comment on it was Hugh Grant. Is like, actually, actually, I was 45. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that was a really good impression. Thank you. <laughs> but he's he's really he's really good in this. I don't think you ever buy that he's a good guy because he's part of like their main gang to start with. But then it's obvious that he's a sort of con man. It becomes clear quite quickly that he has ulterior motive, and yet he just plays this like slimy kind of guy that clearly wants to do his own thing, and he's just gonna fuck up everything. And he just do that quite a lot, <laughs> several times, in fact. Yeah, absolutely. Chris Pine has a daughter, and sadly his his wife was killed. His daughter never met his wife or her mother. But he's he sort of raised brother and sisterly by Chris Pine and Rodriguez. That's really nice, and we don't see that that often. That there's no yeah, there's no romantic sort of thing pulling pushing and pulling these two lead characters it's literally they are basically brother and sister go i like the um i like the dynamic between them that the main thing like between uh chris pine and michelle rodriguez is the fact that they both love their daughter mm. even though like it's not technically michelle rodriguez's character's daughter she's brought her up from birth because obviously chris pine's wife said they died so I really like that dynamic of like there was both there and really wanted to do a good job and part of the kids. Like there was no like romantic element to them at all. There was just a really tight family unit in like a platonic way, which was really cool to see. Mm. And I, I just think they all really worked. I really liked their vibe and they gave off good vibes and I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I completely bought it. Maybe like they're clearly chalk and cheese. They don't have the similar interests. But it's yep. similar to, I don't want to say Han Solo and Chewbacca, but it is Han Solo and Chewbacca that they've got going on here. Yeah, that is like a comparison, actually, because it's like they mutually respect each other, but they've got their own little path going on, they've got their own journeys, their own quirks and elements that make them so special. So mm. yeah, that's a good comparison, actually. Thank you. Um, <laughs> they, they go, I I, honestly, it there's so much going off and I was trying to like concentrate on, okay, what pieces of information do I need to keep with me? That the main narrative of the whole thing wasn't entirely clear. I think that was intentional though. So my knowledge of Dungeons and Dragons as a game, not the movie, is obviously you have a main quest. So in a film, in film terms, that'd be like your main plot. Mm-hmm. And then they do all these like A, B, C, D like subplots, which is kind of like subquests. So I feel like it was an intentional thing for them to do to be like, right, we're not we're kind of weaving in the main storyline, but we're on all these little mini quests. But it feels like the game, and I I feel like that was intentional, and I quite like that. I think it's a smart choice, and I think maybe from a film perspective, it's a little bit confusing to keep up with. Um, mm-hmm. like you're saying. But I don't know, I think there's something there that was quite unique about it. I think because it, it's a lot of fun as well, you do excuse it a little bit for sort of not holding your hand and going, Yeah. okay, well, okay, I've got, I've got to keep up with the, the film instead of the film going, look, if you if you want to dip out, that, that's absolutely fine, but like, <laughs> we're going to 
we're going to move on and it's up to you to catch up. It was, yeah. I didn't mind that I had to do that, but it just, it was just something that I didn't realize I had to do. Yeah. And with it, it's definitely, it benefits watching it in like a cinema environment because you have no choice but to pay attention. I think if you watch it at home, you run the risk of maybe dipping in and out, like you're saying. I think it's definitely one of them films that needs your attention. Not because it's trying to do anything super clever or, you know, like you must see every moment, but like you said, you benefit by keeping up with it because the end product actually is a really beneficial and satisfying conclusion. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah, yeah, I agree. A, A note I made quite early on in this, and I'm surprised that I made it this early, was that the world and the costume and the hair and the makeup is amazing, genuinely incredible. Unbelievable. My main thing that I noticed like pretty early on, so the main like bad character, bad character, I can't think of what the actual right word I'm trying to say is. Villain? The villain, there we go. Thank you. Words are not my friend today. <laughs> not great when you try to do a podcast. That's difficult. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the villain, uh, played by Daisy Hedge, who is Safina in the film. Her dress changes colour quite a lot throughout the film. So like mm-hmm. she'll kind of turn a corner and it'll shift from black to red. Because um, the colour red is connected to her character because she is a red wizard, which is kind of like a big bad in the Dungeons and Dragons world. And the way the dress pivots and the changes colour, I thought was so cool. Like, it's such a subtle change, but once you notice it, you can't not notice it again. And it's really cool. And then just like the outfits, like everybody's got like amazing like armour and all of these amazing like wigs and like the makeup's really cool. It's just really well done, I think. I'm a sucker for sort of like really tight trousers and boots. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like, like and the waistcoat as well. I'm a sucker for a waistcoat. <laughs> like if I had to, if I had to cosplay it, I'm, I'd be, I'd be happy to. Do you know? Yeah, I'm with you absolutely. But in, but in terms of like the creatures as well, there's it felt like, and this might not be the case. I'm not sure that there was quite a lot of animatronic and puppetry going on yeah i got that vibe it was like an intentional we don't want to do like vfx cgi kind of characters we want them to look like they're actually there and yeah in person and moving especially Mm. going back to jonathan or jonathan however you pronounce his name that character was 1000 percent there in person and you could tell by the way like the eyes moved it was really cool to see (laughs) (laughs) i love jonathan so much um (laughs) So anyway, they they sort of get betrayed or by well they they've they realize they've been betrayed by Hugh Grant. So Hugh Grant's been looking after Pine's daughter, but it's yeah. all under false pretenses. So Chris Pine and gang say, "Okay, we're going to put a stop to this and go we're going to get we're getting the band back together sort of thing." It takes a while for them to do that though, and that's one of the things I didn't like. The the okay, you're going to meet this character, and this character's doing this, and then this character's doing that. We've seen it before, we see it all the time in like Marvel and fuck it, the Muppet movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> do, do you know what I mean, though? Like, yeah, it definitely it took its time. I definitely feel like it could have been shorter. I think what it was trying to do was trying to, it was that thing what new franchises or establishing or trying to be franchises but it's like we want to give you all this information in a really like not short in this case and just be like here's all this information because we know so many people are going to expect 
so much from this film. Mm-hmm. But if you're not a fan of it, it's going to feel like it's taken forever. So like you and me watching it, half of the references was flying over my head. And I was like, I feel like we were taking 20 years just to get this group together. Like, come on, pick up the pace. Yeah. <laughs> but once they got together, I was like, oh, okay, I see what you did. You could have ever done that in less time. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, because this falls at, what, two two hours, 15 minutes, and they could have shaved maybe 20 off. Absolutely, yeah. I think it would have it made it would have made the pacing a lot less like clunky. I feel. I think it would have been a lot more smoother, and you wouldn't be like, oh, "Come on!" Like waiting for it to move on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But they do get the, the gang back together. We got Sophia Lillis as a sort of shapeshifter. Justice Smith, he's a magician, but he's not very good. And as soon as we met those characters, I knew exactly where they'd be at the end of this film. Yeah, it's quite predictable. It's very predictable. You, it's not trying to kid you at all, is it? Like you know exactly what is going to happen. It's not trying to reinvent the wheel. It's like here's the wheel. Let's just go for it. Mm-hmm. But I did. But I liked it for that. I'm 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 glad it didn't sort of go. Oh, the we're going to throw twists and turns in. I just I imagine if you saw this at the cinema, which you did, you'd be like, I'm here for a good time. Let's go. Not and yeah. not to think too much. Yeah. It. It did what I think all blockbusters should do, at least the big, flashy, fun ones, which was, you know, it did do some things that was a little bit different, but you kind of felt safe. Like, it held your hand a little bit, and you was like, you know what's going to happen. It's kind of already there. You can see it. Let's just walk you through it, and you can enjoy it. You'll get to the end, and you'll be like, oh, okay. Yeah, I liked that. It was fun. <laughs> Nothing original in some areas, but you enjoyed it, and it was, but it's exactly what yes. this was. They go for this thing that can bring people back from the dead, but only once. Can't remember what it was called. The something of something. They're all named something of something. I can't remember the name of it either. And I was making notes and I decided (laughs) to not write that down. But anyway, they're, they're doing it to sort of get Chris Pine's wife back. This one thing that we'll do this one time and it's fine. So The Tablet of Reawakening. Thank you. That would have bugged me. <laughs> I could um, see eating you alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they have to go to this sort of cemetery and dig everyone up, but not before they stop off in Helga, Rodriguez's hometown, where they meet her ex-husband, partner? Partner. It's kind of alluded to that she leaves her tribe for someone from a different kind of species, I guess we call it here, because she gets alienated and then her partner ends up being a really fun surprise cameo that took me kind of out the film, but in a really fun way. I do, we, we will say it, but I'm going to say spoilers ahead because I didn't know this cameo was in it and I was like, oh, yeah, great, okay. <laughs> so spoiler alert for Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. You've got two seconds. Bradley Cooper's in this. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really bizarre like cameo for him to do, I, I feel. Mm-hmm. I remember watching it in the cinema and I was just, you know, eating my popcorn, watching the film, whatever. And I was like, that's Bradley Cooper. And I was like, is it? And I was sat there for like the full scene watching it going, is it? No, it is. Is it? And I was like fighting myself in my head going, it can't be. And I was like, oh no, it is. <laughs> it was a really like bizarre cameo that really like, took me out of it. <laughs> <laughs> but he's good in it. Like, he, I don't know why he's there, but I'm a, I, I'm fine. Why not? I'm always happy to see Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Anyway, she gets closure with 
Bradley Cooper is like, oh, like I moved on. I'm happy. Are you happy? And everyone's like, okay, that's. And that was very touching. I thought that they'd sort of gone their separate ways and were, were happy for each other. I also really liked the fact that Michelle Rodriguez meets Bradley Cooper's new partner, and there isn't any like tension there. Like there's kind of a respect. Because in films, I feel like when the ex meets the new partner, there's always like the, like you want to punch them in the face or like whatever kind of energy. Mm-hmm. And here it was more of a mutual respect, which I thought was quite refreshing. It's a small thing, but I really appreciated it. Well, his new partner was exactly like her, basically a carbon copy. And for us, the audience, we go, that's the same person. But, and Rodriguez does that. It's like, she, that's pretty much, you've done exactly the same. But Bradley Cooper's so happy that the film goes, <laughs> so what? It's it's fine. And that was, I was just like, not enough films do that. And I, I don't think I've ever seen it before in a film where they've gone, it, yeah, it's the same person, but who cares? This person is happy. And we never see them again. Yeah, it doesn't really do much other than serve Michelle Rodriguez's character some closure, like you said. But it's, it's a really odd but cute and meaningful little moment which I really liked. I thought mm. it was really random, but I really loved it. <laughs> so this leads us to my favourite scene in the film by A Country Mile. <laughs> it's the scene where they have to dig up every... <laughs> oh, I love this scene so dig much. Up, they dig up all the bodies, but they can revive the bodies and ask them five questions and five questions only. Yeah. And for context for anyone listening, so the point of this is... They're trying to find a specific item which will help them kind of do the main thing for the film. You know, it's building up to something and they need this one piece of equipment, kind of old historical thing to do that. So they have to go and basically interview a lot of dead bodies, really, is what they're doing. It's so stupid. (laughs) Um, You said for anyone listening, but that also really helped me because I completely forgot that. They dig up the bodies and it goes exactly how you think it's going to. It's nothing new. It's nothing we've not seen before from like Monty Python or any any sort of panto, you know? Yeah. But it really made me laugh. The fact that they like sort of go, oh, we can ask you five questions. Is that right? And they go, yes. (laughs) But that counts as a question. Yeah. It's it's one of the oldest tricks in the book, but I I'll be damned if that doesn't make me laugh so much. It was a it was a good scene. I liked how it built, and there was certain people that speak to, and you're like, oh well, this seems to be going really well, and then you know that something's coming, that something's gonna go wrong, and then when the thing goes wrong, you're like, oh, I love it, and it's nothing original, like earth shattering, like never seen before, but it just gets you, and it's so stupid, yeah, in a good way. Like for instance, the the, the guy who. All these people who were fought in this big battle or something. And yeah. they're like, oh, or they died at the battle. And then they just opened the coffin of one guy who died at the battle, but he slipped on a bar of soap getting out of the bath at the battle. And he didn't have yeah. anything to do with it at all. And it's like, that's waste. That's wasted so much of my life, but I couldn't be happier about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, he didn't even make it to the battle. He was getting ready. He was. You know, having his bath and like having his morning breakfast or whatever, and he, yeah, just fully died in his tent. He, he didn't even get bar- to the battle. Flips on the bar of soap and hit his head so hard. By the way, it was so bad. Wow, it was so good. 
it's, they finally get the piece of information they need. But I, my note there was I could have watched that all day if if it was literally just them going around all these victims and stuff. Absolutely. I'd have been if that scene had been twenty minutes longer. Fine, make it twenty minutes longer. I don't care. I I would like to see anything they've cut from that. I would like to see anything they thought they were ever going to do with that. <laughs> did you watch the end credit scene? I did. I did because um, there's one guy. They have to has, ask five questions and then you know back to normal. But they only ask four to this one guy, who. And then he's still alive. He's just like, oh, someone help me. It's like, you've still got a question left. And they've all left thinking like they counted to five or it was four. And this poor guy is just sat there like, hello. <laughs> it's so stupid. But they've got the piece of information they need. We've also skipped one action scene that I really did enjoy. It was when Sophia Lillis, again, whose character I do not know. Doric is a spy spying on uh god the red witch when they're setting up the plan to kind of oh, what's it called hugh grant when they're trying to establish the, the plan to throw hugh grant off and kind of win the day they have to like spy on this vault and sophia lewis's character doric she can shape shift and she is a fly on the wall quite literally in a vault and then it all kind of goes wrong and she has to have this like epic scene of getting out there without obviously getting captured or killed mm. and she uses like various animals in an effort to escape and it's a really fun way of her like, it's a really fun use of her power set she it's really inventive like the way she jumps from one thing to another and it, I just found it really impressive and I really liked the way they did it it seems really well thought out and really well constructed yeah, as an action it- sequence it was one long tracking shot. So it was, she's a fly on the wall and then she goes into like a suit of armor. She grows to normal size. She gets found. Then she's a mouse. Then the mouse falls out the window. Then she's an owl. Then she's a deer. <laughs> then she was another creature, I forget, of maybe a horse. I don't know. But it, it, it was probably like five minutes long, that whole section. Yeah. And I just thought, well played. <laughs> <laughs> well, please for making that so one good. one big shot. Yeah, just <laughs> little things like that. I really appreciate. Like hard work has gone into it. Yeah, it's the little things. I think that's a really good way of describing this movie. There's so many little things that aren't really like super impressive, but you can tell I've had like a really lot of thought into it, which makes them impressive. Like that scene on paper is just you know like an action scene, but you can tell the thought that's gone into it is what makes it so cool to watch because you can tell every shapeshift she does everything that she's doing has been so meticulously thought out it's like oh okay i appreciate what you're doing (laughs) yeah absolutely but the thing they need from all these dead people has been taken by and i don't know his name bridget and i've just written bridgerton boy because that's Uh, zenk i can't even pronounce his name is it zenk yes uh roger jean page who is the guy from Bridgerton who everyone swoons over. And (laughs) honestly, since watching this, I get it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I haven't, I haven't seen Bridgerton, but he's so cool and, and sleek and Ooh. Did you pick up on what his character was supposed to be in the film? No. He's, 
I think he's supposed to be like an NPC, which for anyone that isn't a gamer is a non-playable character. So the person you'd meet at like a halfway point who like might guide you to do the next mission, he felt like an NPC that would just float in every now and then and offer this random advice. And all the characters was like, okay, sure. And then they'd just do it. And it was it was a really weird character, but in a really fun way. It had a really interesting role, I thought. It it seemed very and it it just clicked for me when you said that then because I thought I thought they were going for more of a Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy where he's very literal and maybe like a bit too like metaphors don't work for him and he's just very very one note yeah. but he plays it he plays it well but it's just all one note and I I thought he was good. <laughs> He's really good. <laughs> he he does have a bit of attention with Chris Pine because they are of they're not the same species or they're not in the same factor. Something like that. There's some baggage there. Pine swore and off. Um I can't remember what the actual thing that it was that he did though. Slipping my mind. But yeah, he makes an off and they both share that kind of background, but Chris Pine obviously breaks it off and Rajesh or Paige is trying to bring him back to that kind of, you know, your off will never leave you. You've always got this inside you kind of narrative. And it's really funny to watch them battle it out because Chris Pine is so against going back down that route. And it's just, yeah, a fun dynamic. There's a fun little action scene where we get uh, the Red Wizards army, I think, or the, an army of some sort. But that gets rudely interrupted by a dragon, which <laughs> still yeah. dragons. You've got to have dragons in there somewhere. This one's quite a famous dragon, though, right? I think. Yeah, I think it is as well. It's a very large dragon. I think they call it a, a parky dragon in the film. I think that's the name they give it because it's quite uh, big. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's. I think it was kind of like fun to see a dragon that's just sat on its ass and just all it's done is eat this <laughs> entire time. Like you don't see that ever. Yeah, you would. Um, but that whole. <laughs> sequence with the dragon was was a lot of fun i had a really good time with it it was super fun i just liked the dynamic of the dragon i thought it was so stupid like the way it was so like fat and it was like out of breath and it was falling over things and it was like playing into all like these gimmicks that you like don't associate with a dragon you expect a dragon to be like sleek and cool and you think of daenerys from game of thrones and it's Mm. you know super fun and you've got this dragon that's fallen over a chain and it's like out of breath and it's just so stupid and it's (laughs) It sort of it's chasing them for a little bit, and then it sort of gives up and lays down. But as it lays down, it sort of rolls over and it's just rolls yeah. towards them. <laughs> that was great. I, I was like, "Yeah, that was fun." But they managed to get what they need and off onto the the rest of the film. Then we have the bit in the film where, of course, you get the people around a campfire. Everyone's got their own battle. They're sort of arguing with each other. Uh, Justice mm-hmm. Smith is still not very good at magic and he's going through something. Uh, Sophia Lillis is doing something. Everyone's got stuff. And I just thought, we are very template at this moment where it felt like mm. we've had all that fun and this is our gang coming together sort of thing. Yeah, it it did feel like that moment. It's It was, again, it wasn't super original, but I think the way they all came together and... The way they did it was quite nice. They've obviously all got their own like issues going on. And as at that point in the film, you've kind of learned all the different characters, their backgrounds, the stories. So you're equipped as a viewer to like 
you know, feel everything that's going on in that moment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a, it's a good scene. I quite like it. I like the way they all kind of come together and what follows quickly after that bit. I think it's a really nice punchy attitude. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then this is, I just stopped making notes because this is when the film really caught my interest. <laughs> they have to break in with, they have to break into the vault to get the thing from Hugh Grant. But to do so, they use a portal that they're going to put in a carriage that, go, that goes in. Yeah. And all, all that stuff with a portal, so much fun. That, honestly, I could put my phone away now because I haven't made any more notes. <laughs> it, it, it was, it was, it felt original. I don't know if it might, if it was, but it felt original. Um, yeah, I agree. I think just the way the way the scene plays out, I thought was so interesting. Like the innovation of how they actually get into the carriage and then how they get into the vault and everything. Like the whole scene, I thought was so well done. But it wasn't without its moments of sort of like peril. Because it doesn't always go yeah. right for them, but I think the the thing they do establish quite early on is that they they make plans, and it sort of goes a different way, much like a game of Dungeons and Dragons would go. I think you have to. Yeah, <laughs> I, <I'm> not... <laughs> guessing. We're guessing. We're just purely guessing what Dungeons and Dragons is at this moment. But I'm pretty sure if you've got a plan, then something comes up, and you go, "Okay, change your plan. We're doing this instead." That was fun. Yeah. So they've sort of broken in, but they get captured quite early because, again, nothing can go to plan. They say, okay, well, we're going to... Don't kill us or anything. We'll battle. We want to go in this big battle that is happening in the town. Yeah, so Hugh Grant's holding a really big, like, infamous game that had been banned by the previous ruler of the kingdom where the vault is. It's underneath the games that are taking place in the city and the goal is to bring all of the city together um, for this one big game and to unify the city and they all watch this kind of Hunger Games style um, arena battle where different like teams have to go against each other to basically survive until they're the last ones. All that was fun. I noticed there was a Dungeons and Dragons cameo from the original group. From the original film. Yeah, like I don't know like, anything about the animation show. I don't know anything about Dungeons and Dragons prior to this, but I have seen pictures and I always see them. That was fun. Yep. So cool. I didn't know that until afterwards, because like like we've mentioned, I don't really know much about this world at all. But then when I watched it a second time and I'd seen that on uh, Instagram, mm-hmm. that like little tidbit, I thought, oh, that's amazing. That's so good for them. You know, it was a really cool cameo to be like, you know, well done, love that for you guys. <laughs> but I work with people who who play Dungeons and Dragons and then know the world. And when they saw the film, they were like, oh, it was cool when this happened and when this happened. And I was like, oh, okay. That means nothing to me, but good for you. Sort of thing. But but I know if if this was a world I set in a world that I cared about, I mean like Star Wars or something, I'd be like, yeah, that's really cool. And I get it. I I genuinely can't remember what happens after this. Oh, that's it. The um so they go through the big labyrinth style maze and which is which was really cool. I I like the chest with its like teeth. Yes, it um that's a famous uh thing from the game, I believe. So my friend who I mentioned earlier, who was a really big fan, 
when we spoke about it, it was like, oh my god, I can't believe that's in there. Like it's a, a really big, like nerdy reference. So I really liked it. I had no clue, but it was cool. Yeah. It reminded me of Harry Potter. Do you know the book that is under the bed? Yes. Do you remember it in it reminded me of that. Well, that's uh, that's probably J.K. Rowling stealing stuff from other things, like she always does. <laughs> yeah, As she's prone to do. <laughs> she she does it all the time. It's it's nothing. It's not news at this point. J.K. Rowling stole another thing. It's like yeah, we know. They sort of like win the battle and they get what they need. They say fuck you, Hugh Grant, and <laughs> they go off into the sunset. But the Red Wizard, whose name I've forgotten, at Safina. Thank you. I was going to say Sinita, and that is not who that person is. <laughs> <laughs> she's unleashing her army, she, her big plan, because she's been sort of using Hugh Grant as a as a puppet this entire time to do what she wants to do. She's the main villain, so she's unleashing hell, literally. And they go, okay, well, we'll go back then, it's fine. And it, Yeah, you think they've got their pit in, they're out, and then they're like, shit, we should probably help. Yeah. <laughs> We've come this far. <laughs> that that to me did feel very oh, okay. We should wrap it up now. <laughs> but what follows is a very fun action scene where they get yeah. the jewels, they get everyone to safety first, which is nice. We don't see that often. Thank you, Man of Steel. <laughs> but <laughs> and then they go, okay, we're gonna we're gonna fight her, and they have a fight with like this statue that's a dragon as well that the red witch is using or whatever yeah so i did the, the uh people who can't see i did the scarlet witch hands which is not <laughs> which is not in this <laughs> at all but it's fun i don't know see. where like if someone says witch though you go sort of like a it, you do like the one division vibes don't yeah. you the hand oh I th- the mcu's broken me <laughs> it's broken all of us at this point oh, it really has <laughs> So they have a big action scene there, and I thought it, there are points where it goes, okay, they could lose. Speaking of the MCU, actually, I think that's a really good segue. This end fight scene felt very X-Men to me, where you've got people of different power sets all using their powers in a way where you're like, oh, they're really trying to work together to beat this person that they shouldn't really be able to beat. And it was a really fun, like, no one gets sidelined. Like, there's no one person where they I feel like comic book movies or like movies of this kind do it a lot where someone who has a really strong power set gets pushed aside so then all of the weaker characters have to fight when that wasn't the case here. Everyone was present and like going for it, which I thought was quite different because like I said, like the Wonder Maximoff, so the the film always get pushed aside so then the Black Widows have to fight the big bad, which is never really going to work. So I liked it. <laughs> yeah, but everyone's everyone does bring something new to well, not new, but something different because obviously Justice Smith is he's good at magic now. By the way, I mean, we all saw it coming. It's not. <laughs> um, um, he's good at magic. Lilith is shapeshifting, so she's becoming she's fighting this dragon this whole time. Uh, Rodriguez is just a beast when it comes to combat and then what is Chris Pine doing in all this is he just sort of like running away or he's is kind he... of using his like yeah Lily at one point which he smacks over at Safina's head which was quite inventive I quite appreciated that um mm-hmm. just trying to knock her out but yeah they're using everything they can to stop her <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to like go into the ins and outs of what happens because I want people to watch this for themselves because it's a it's a refreshing film but when the villain gets got the villain gets got. Mm. And I loved it. 
didn't really care yeah. for Dylan in the first place, but I'm happy to see one just get beaten down. Yeah, it was a very satisfying ending. You felt... I, I assume this is how it feels to play a game of Dungeons and Dragons because you got to the end and you they beat the villain and it was like really satisfying to watch. You felt really proud of everyone for doing it and it was, it was really cool. Like the way they do it is really fun and just imaginative and yeah, it was good. And the way she gets got, like you said, is it's funny and it's deserving and it was definitely worth watching. Mm-hmm. But like I say, it's not without its charm because. The end, it's, it takes quite an, emotion, an emotional beat. I don't want to really want to spoil it, but it made yeah. me tear up. It really did. Yeah, me too. All of the the beats throughout the film that you don't really think, you think are just there just to be there to try and tug on your heartstrings end up playing a really big factor in the end moments. And, mm. oh, God, I didn't think it'd be this sad. And you're like, why am I getting emotional over this film of all films? But, but yeah, it's a, it's a good one. <laughs> mm. Over overall, I I I did have a good time. I did. I would watch it again. Probably not like immediately, but I would sort of let it sit with me for a bit. Maybe research that might help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to go. Oh, okay. It makes more sense. But for a blockbuster, which it is, certainly when it came out in April, did it come out? Yeah, early this year, like March, April time, I think. Which is dead, which is dead for cinema. Like they don't release blockbusters. Then this yeah. one did okay. It did pretty decently. It didn't crash and burn, which I think in this day and age is a good medal to have. It did all right. <laughs> I think it pleased fans and it welcomed new people to that world. Which I think for films with this much baggage of fandom, that you have to do you have to do both first before you then go. Okay, let's do a sequel. Yeah, you're right. Actually, it did. It managed to walk that fine line, which a lot of like franchises that are trying to build on something, like Mortal Kombat, is a really good example. That was quite mm-hmm. frequent. That was trying too hard to be something, and it was it didn't find the right balance. Whereas this, it's kind of found that groove where, like you said, it appeals to new people that haven't, you know, engaged with Dungeons and Dragons or even know what it is, and then also hardcore fans that love it. Mm-hmm. So I think it did a really solid job. And I pray it gets a sequel. And I have a really good idea for the sequel, if anyone's listening. Yeah, well, I think, we're, we're listening. Yeah, go. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, anyone from the Dungeons & Dragons team, I have your plan. So I think what they should do, like in the games, uh-huh. next film, we don't see this cast again. It's a complete new cast, new characters, new roster. Because in Dungeons & Dragons, you have different teams and different you know, characters. And the whole part of it is you create new characters every time you do a campaign. And then let's do a couple of films and build to like an end game thing where all of these teams that we've loved come together in one big epic fight. That'd be sick. They would never do that, but that's amazing. I'd watch it in Isn't the it? Yeah. It it makes so much sense and you can have different like because I know they have different classes in Dungeons and Dragons. So you could maybe do like two or three extra teams and then have them come together in one big final blowout against a really big baddie, whatever that might look like. I have no idea, but that is my oh, pitch. <laughs> well, well, obviously we're recording this at the time of the writer's strike. Uh, I feel like you yeah. should put, that, put your pen to paper and get busy. <laughs> yeah. Well, no one else is doing it. I'll make a career. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Me and but... ChatGPT will write that script very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> it's already done it. Let's face it. <laughs> um, a big question now. Is it better than Space Jam? 
Oh, that is a hard question. I'm going to say no, but I have a reason why no. I um, just... I am I am shook that you said no. But so I love this film, but Space Jam just is, holds such a special nostalgic place in my heart. So it's okay. hard to beat it. I think there's only a couple that probably could, but this is so close. I think it it gave it a good run for its money. We'll put it that way. It okay. had everything you want: all the action, all the humor, all of the emotional beats. But Space Jam just is. Oh, it just reminds me of my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> That's very okay. Fair enough. I I disagree. I think this is better than Space Jam because, again, like my with Space Jam, you don't have to do any research. It's Bugs Bunny playing basketball, right? But with yeah. the, the only the only thing that let it down for me, and I hold my hands up, I'm not a Dungeons and Dragons fan, that I had to sort of really work for it. But in the end, it completely paid off. For, for me personally, but the guest is the <laughs> the guest is always right. So. <laughs> hey, I'm happy to 50 50. I think absolutely there's a lot to be said for it. this as a film. I think it does a really good job. Hmm. And we'll leave it at that. Michael, we'll thank you so much for coming on. It's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's my first ever podcast, so I hope I did a good enough job. <laughs> well, no, you're, no, you're going to be hired by Hollywood now to, to do this. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons sequel. So yeah, me and Chat GPT are out of here, so we're gonna go write that script. Yes, up. <laughs> Can we get a special thanks in the credit, please? Yeah, <laughs> that's all we ask. If if we aim for that, that's we're gonna get it. But thank you so much. It's been such a great time talking to you. You too. Again, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. I can't remember what was next. I think it was oh Hercules is next week. So hopefully you tune in for that one. Love Hercules. Love it. Absolutely. Is it better than Space Jam? <laughs> no. What? <laughs> I know. I think that's an epic film. I, yeah. I can give wow. my reasoning why. I think it's the soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the soundtrack just takes it somewhere else anyway. <laughs> okay, well, we'll see. But thank you for listening. See you next week.